I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And we're a gay. And his NB. Episode 20. It's a big milestone for us, and we are so excited to be bringing you another episode of a gay and his NB. It's myself, Eamon, along with Merlin. Thank you guys so much for supporting us, listening to us. Be sure to tell all your friends um, to subscribe to us on wherever they listen to their podcast, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all the all the podcast platforms. Um, and be sure to follow us on the social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, everything at a gay and his MB. Um, we're so excited to be getting into today's episode. What are we talking about today? As has been our um, record as of late, um, you know, we've got the same stuff every week. And it's lovely because we don't have to download new logos. <laughs> I don't have to make new graphics. I've been loving it. Um, so this episode, we will be talking about Survivor, season 44. Um, but first, before we get to that, we've got RuPaul's Drag Race. Drag Race, and we got the reunion. Um, so <laughs> we'll get into it. I think this was good. It was a good watch. It wasn't at maybe, we were hoping it maybe would be a little more salacious uh, in terms of like some of the drama that had been happening. You know, as much as they cut out of this season, they could have cut some out of this reunion. This was a two-hour reunion, which I thought was... We didn't need it. A little too much. I feel like they were like, well, we've got the the drag race and the untucked time slots. Like, let's just put in two, make it two hours. Which I just don't think is the best idea. We didn't idea. need it. Didn't need it. Just... Didn't need it. No, and I think so. We'll and we'll get into it a little bit later. Um, obviously, us being Housewives fans as well, like watching a reunion like this. I think I now that I think about it, I think it would have been more interesting if you had like an Andy Cohen moderate this as opposed to RuPaul. Maybe because he would have dug into the drama a little bit more. He would have at least like done like a follow up question. <laughs> yeah, like I think like Ru was kind of like buy the books to the numbers, like, let's get through this, kind of. Yeah, Rue doesn't do an interview. Rue does a moderator. Yeah. It's like, I have my questions prepared, and I'm not going to deviate from them, and I'm just going to, like, you know. Well, I don't know. Is moderator the right? What's the right term for what she was doing? Well, you can't, yeah, you can't really moderate if there's not any major, like, mayhem disagreement. I mean, mean, there was some disagreement. I mean, a little bit, but this was not. You know, even a couple of years ago, we had Vixen getting up and walking off set. Well, yeah. And like, I was, even last year, I watched back the um, the Jasmine Kennedy uh, Diabetes fight. And that was like real, like that was like good quality reality TV reunion fight. Yeah. Like, and I think like, I don't know. I felt that there was potential for that here that just didn't maybe come to fruition. Yeah. You're right. And that was frustrating. But speaking of the one thing that was, uh, I, we talk about being housewives related. I did like the intro that they did with these like housewife taglines that they gave everybody to like say as they like were going down the line of people. They I thought, were really good. I thought that was a fun like twist on things. Um, and there were some like, and obviously funny ones, but just like also I think like really would honestly be good housewife taglines. Like, the ones I wrote were, uh, Amethyst is, uh, I don't stir the pot, I smoke it. That's a fun one. Yeah. Um, I liked... And Jennifer can use that next season on Jersey. They, literally. Per- yeah, that's perfect. Um, I, I really liked Anitra's uh, Ain't No Rust for This Bitch Face. That's a good one. <laughs> that's a genuinely good one. Um, 
Irene's was kind of the funniest. The, uh, I may have gone home first, but I'm also a bitch. <laughs> I, I love this trend of just like declarative statement and then second declarative statement that has nothing to do with the first. <laughs> and yet I tied it together with language that makes it seem like they're related. Yeah. Uh, Malaysia's I thought was good too. Uh, the I may be a baby doll, but I'm not to be played with. That's another good yeah, one. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I liked Selena quoting um, to Wong Fu. <laughs> um, yeah. You may, be, you may see a little Latin boy in drag crying. <laughs> little Latin boy in drag, why are you crying? <laughs> so good. Um, yeah, and, but it was good. It was a good, like, sort of twist on things. Mm-hmm. And, you know. Um, so they, uh, goes right into it. Uh, they bring up the, it, it's kind of a little freeform in how they're introducing things. They talk about the mistress dealing shit from the workroom, mm-hmm. um, and her being a klepto basically. I love, I love RuPaul asking like, what did you think about go? Did you know that you were going to steal stuff going into the season or was it something that came on the fly? And I love mistress being like, what's less time in prison premeditated. <laughs> that was funny. And then she also did reveal that Anitra uh, took a light bulb for some reason. I'm not, I'm not sure why. They didn't really go that, into detail as to maybe why. She, maybe she needed one in her dressing room at home. Like, what What was the... There was one queen that, like, broke one of the light bulbs on the um, the main stage during a lip sync or something like that. Like, I would want to take that home at least, maybe. Like, that's a good souvenir. But, like... Yeah, what season was that? That was, like... That was a while ago because they they don't have those light bulbs in, on the l- runway anymore. Oh, do they, they don't. Yeah, I don't think they're like LED strips. Yeah, they were. You know, <laughs> safety first. Um, <laughs> was well, it safety, or they didn't want to have to replace them again? That's true. Um, th- and then, but then we get into sugar and spices segment of like the big thing of them being twins and sort of the twist on that. Um, Sugar talks about how they've learned that they are more stronger than they think they are, which I think is, I, I, I can see that. Like, I think, obviously, they dealt with a lot of, like, self-confidence issues and, like, you know, it's it's natural also when you're twins who've spent your whole time together to not really have that sort of social development. And I think yeah, they've done that a little bit. There's de- There was definitely moments on this reunion where I was like, and even RuPaul was like, like the language of sugar and spice is just like yeah spice particularly like really loves like a run-on sentence that like like well but spice is also more comfortable with these girls than sugar is she stayed much longer so you know it she she's had more time to get comfortable than sugar speaking of that uh, there was a funny line because they uh, rue asked like who who was first technically out of the womb like who's technically the oldest and Sugar says that she kicked Spice out of the womb, and uh, Spice goes, well, I kicked you out of the competition. So and that was a fun yeah. little moment. Um, and Mistress kind of also, ta- and uh, we talked about how Mistress has sort of adopted them as her drag mother, essentially, and all mm-hmm. that. Um, talks about sort of having preconceived notions about them, sort of with her personal background in drag and right. sort of going through more the old school Houston, Texas, like, s- scene as opposed to, like, stuff on TikTok. Um, I loved her being like my and my initial reaction was like, "Bitch, stop playing in my profession." Yeah, and that was a good line. Where I think even I think RuPaul was like, "That's like put that shit on a t-shirt. That's good." Um, and then Irene kind of talks about sort of feeling similar way. Irene was speaking a lot for someone that went home first. I, I didn't mind. She had it. to get her screen time. Yeah, I didn't mind it, but like she was like, "Okay, I've been waiting like how many months." 
I'm I've saved up all my comments. I'm going to like unleash them at this reunion. This See, is my only chance. If I was her, I would have played on that and like got out a notebook. Yeah. I've been like, okay, pull out the reading glasses, pull out a notebook and said, I took notes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and she and so well, because then they get into the discussion about the eras. Like everyone like Mistress right. doing that whole thing about what being in her era. And Irene herself even says, I'm in my screen time era. Which I thought was funny. Sugar then makes a joke about trying to be in her nailification era, even though she's not wearing nails. Which it was so, like, like girl, I need you to understand what you're doing when you're doing it. That's why it's like I don't mind. Like they get d- dinged a lot for having cam bits and stuff like that. Right. That's like their big like the thing that the people hit them with. And I don't mind a can bit if it's like if you've thought it through completely. But in order to have a canned bit, you have to have the can opener. <laughs> and she left the can opener at home. I cannot. She brought the canned bit. It was like, look, here's the bit. And she couldn't get to it because she got, left that shit And then at home. you got to dent it with like a, the back of a <laughs> knife or something like that. So like, yeah. uh, go more, more pop-top. You need more pop-top cans. Uh, yeah. Ladies. But you, you can't get those off with nails. No. There we go. Full circle. <laughs> so then they break down this discussion about like how everyone, like there were all these discussions about like who was number two. Like if the person who won the challenge, like who was number two and who was number three, right? And like everything. The first person safe was number two. Well, that well, that's what Lux says. Like Lux was like, I like because Lux and Lucy it happened twice to them, and Lux brings up like I based it off of the fact that like they called Lucy safe first, and then they called me safe second. So I'm assuming that means I'm second, and and Lucy was third place. You know, which I think is well. mm, It depends on how they do it. Yeah, if they frame it as. Here's your funny little quip. You're safe. Mm-hmm. Here's your funny little quip. You're safe. Here's your funny little quip. You win. Then it was third, second, first. But now I've, have you noticed they're not even, they're only doing the funny quips for the winners. For the most part. I think maybe they one probably, episode they'll do it. But nowadays it's always like. They might have it and it just doesn't make it to the episode. Well, yeah. And there was, I also, we'll get to it later, but there was also a lot of like unseen footage uh, on this reunion, which was clearly like the stuff we would have included in the episode of MTV gave us an hour and a half the whole season. Again, I am under the impression that WoW sent them the hour and a half episode and then MTV edited it down further. Maybe. Because if I'm a production company, The producers are the ones putting together storylines. Yeah. So they need to make sure to edit the show in a way that shows their storylines. They send their episode fully done. Mm -hmm. Then MTV either sent it back and said, re-edit this, or they edited it themselves. Right. Either way, it's shitty. Yeah. Either way, the original cut of the show was an hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah. And and um, I did like Sasha getting the dig in when Lux and Lucy were talking about like the times in which they were second or third, and Sasha just being like, "Let's talk about who was uh, about both of those challenges and who was number one though." Because Sasha won both those challenges, right? So it's like, what are you fighting over? Um, and they kind of talk a little bit about Lucy sort of being in her feelings always about being safe, and Lucy says that you know it was her being in her feelings and stuff like that, and that you know. You know, it, it just the competition brought out the worst in her in that regard. 
Um, and I loved Amethyst uh, saying that, like, you know, she she's where he's like, you know, Lucy from um, Connecticut and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, was this the, like how Lucy's always been? And she's like, you know, before this, Lucy was like, I'll win every challenge on Drag Race. Like when we were in the clubs and stuff like that. I couldn't tell if she was joking, but like I was like, that could make sense. Like, yeah. Um, Lucy gets a video message from Kevin Bacon, which. I I <laughs> I don't deny that Kevin Bacon is supportive of the community, or maybe even watch the episode because I know he tweeted about it as well, at least. Mm-hmm. But it was everywhere like, "Hi, this message is for Lucy. I thought you did really great in the wig loose challenge. Have you seen his acting? Well, yeah. I, well, Same and, way. When he goes, you really know how to cut loose, and let <laughs> when it's let, it wasn't that in disempowered. Right, but it's let loose. No, it's foot loose. No, but he's referencing. No, the, he's referencing the movie that they based Wig Loose off of, which is Foot Loose, well, because I, he starred in Foot Loose. Well, sure, and she played his character. Sure, but then they also after that talk about Let Loose going her song Let Loose going viral on TikTok and that. So that's sure, what, but who cares? He it wasn't related. <laughs> I mean, the and well, in fairness, like g- credit, I'm you know that song has been in my head a lot because of TikTok. I was it wasn't particularly memorable from the uh, talent show. It wasn't b- memorable from the talent show, but what got it stuck back in my head was them playing it uh, on the reunion, mm. and then it was stuck all week. It, it's hard to like listen to that and not do the like classic dra- like the windmill, windmill, windmill kick. Like right, it's like it's yeah, it's perfect. Um, Come on, eight count. They get into discussions about the best lip syncs of the season. Um, uh, they go. They talk about obviously Sasha and Anitra's from the uh, Lollapalooza. I loved. Uh, they were asked like, "How much longer do you think you guys in your life can still do the these like acrobatic moves that you were doing?" And Anitra was like, "Like ten more minutes." <laughs> like accurate. I, I there was I forgot somewhere else they brought this to Anitra of like. Like it feels like her duck walk. It's kind of a bad idea in the sense that she's gonna be want like people are gonna be wanting her to do the duck walk forever. Yeah. So yeah, and I, and they are asking Irene about it, and Irene <laughs> says Sa- about Sasha particularly in that lip sync says I'll never count to eight the same way again because of absolutely when she was, not when she was twerking it was fun. And then they talk about Anisha and Marsha and what uh, Michelle was saying was her favorite lip sync of the season. They bring up the discussion about like everyone saying online that it should have been a double save. And Marsha like kind of being like, I, I thought I did really well. I all, I'm also very green in terms of drag. Cause she's only been doing it for a year, yeah. you know? So she's like, I like, I, she was very much like, I'm very thankful that people thought that, but like, I didn't look at it necessarily even as that, like, you know, but and, it was also the third one that could have been a double save. Sure, there, mm. we 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 got into it last week about our issue with the with what Rue was how Rue had structured. <laughs> I say Rue as if like it's the World of Wonder, the production company. You know, but Rue is executive producer of this show. Sure, I mean you can't tell me that if Rue wants to save someone that they're not saved. Yeah, um, and I liked Irene uh, saying that like you know. Anitra is such a great lip syncer. It, it it speaks a lot that Anitra is like in the top two lip syncs of the season, and that every time she was Anitra did poorly in a challenge, she was like excited because like you hopefully I get mean, to your lip sync. 
I feel like that's a, a weird inevitable like case of the show of like you know yeah because you you root for people's demise almost yeah um they talk about Malaysia choosing Marsha uh in the Lollapalooza and this long ass explanation that Malaysia gave of like you know m- well mistress like said Lucy you know put Lucy Marsha and Spice as the weakest ones in people's mind and then also um I knew I wasn't going to choose mistress because mistress wanted to and she says Selena for um um what the, she means Celine Dion. Oh, um, right, 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 the right. The song. Um, and like, because of that, I, it was like the, this longest explanation that made no sense. But also did mistress say that? I, I feel like mistress said that in confessional. Yeah. It, no, it, it made no sense. It made no sense what Malaysia was saying. <laughs> like literally none. Like it was a full, We'll get into it on our next episode of this podcast. It was a very much a Tom Sandoval on Howie Mandel answer. Oh, my God. To say, I'll say that. Um, then they get to this discussion of the mistress and Jack's lip sync about who actually won in the discussion of, like... It was Jack's. You... I mean, I thought it really could... I thought mistress's answer was good of, like, it's two very different styles. And, a- like... Absolutely, it's two different styles. But I felt like it was Jack's. The other drag queens that were watching that lip sync felt like it was Jack's. I feel vindicated. Sure. Um, and w- yeah, and Lucy said that uh, uh, Jack's won. And also, you know, I, but also she felt that uh, Jack's won because also Mistress was talking a big game going into the lip sync. And then I love Mistress going, firing back with, I mean, we see who's in the end and who's not. So. I mean, that's true. There was a lot of like I I know we talked earlier about earlier about there not being really drama on this reunion. There was like a lot of passive aggressive stuff that was happening. That well, yeah, because a lot of it was with Lucy, and Lucy refuses to engage directly with anybody. Sure, yeah, that, yeah. So then we get in, uh, then we get into Amethyst and Robin and their fling. I feel like this lasted like 30 seconds on this reunion because neither of them really wanted to talk about it. And like, we, we covered it. No one cared during the season. I saw Am- Yeah. Amethyst. This, Cause there's all been all this dialogue too, after the reunion, cause the girls be talking, um, <laughs> um, they, whatever that like silencer that my, has on their wow contracts or whatever, like clearly isn't working. Um, Amethyst is, was very much on Twitter being like, I just feel well. Amethyst was all about like not getting much scream time, which I think she got a decent amount compared to others. Like, I don't think like Jax or Selena got much scream time, which I thought was odd. Lux was saying the people that didn't get screen time weren't saying shit. So that's also part of it. But but being like, and the only thing that gets brought up is really like this fling that yeah was no one no none of the fans cared about. Yeah, like, let's be real. One of the um, Amethyst did say that she had quite a bit to say about the um, tribute from the uh, Connecticut um, government oh, officials later oh, yeah, on in the yeah, episode, yeah. Um, but that all of hers was cut in favor of Lucy's. Because mm. Lucy cried? Because Lucy fake cried. Oh, I don't think she fa- I think she fake cried. Okay, look. Here's the thing. <laughs> it. I will not... I will take that back. I do not definitively know if that was fake I or think not. That, I think there were However, actual tears. It came off to me as fake. You can fake cry and get real tears out of them. 
Uh, That's fine. When I say fake cry, I don't mean you screw up your face and there are no tears. I mean there is no emotion motivating this, and the only thing motivating it is gaining sympathy from those around you. Interesting. I think it was fake. It felt fake to me, but that's also because everything she does feels fake to me. I think that's more it. Like, I think, like, which I mean. But if everything else is fake, why am I going to believe that this one thing was real? Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll, yeah, we'll get into it because I think she tries to sort of explain certain things about that later. Mm-hmm. Um, the, tries was the key word there. Yeah. There's a little discussion also about like Aura was like crushing on Princess Poppy or whatever. And, like, Princess, apparently, like, when she went home, wrote a note to Aura that was like, Aura, please fuck me. <laughs> Which, yeah. Um, but we find out Aura's engaged. Oh, Congratulations. We then go on to... Princess to, Poppy? No. no. <laughs> we, by the way, we, we're not going to get too much into also the, uh, the looks for this reunion. We have our Toot and Boot video on our TikTok and our Instagram and everything that you can check out. Um... Can we talk quickly about Princess Poppy's reunion look? Uh, it was so tribu- fucking funny. The the tribute to Rebecca Glasscock was just. I mean, it's but I also appreciate because Poppy's wow. humor is so like, like I loved her housewives tagline earlier was just like I'm quitting drag, bye. <laughs> like she's very just like deadpan referential. So like this was such the perfect look because it's like everyone's going to be in this like giant elaborate gown with like 10 million things on it and rhinestone and whatever. And I'm just going to wear a fucking crop top and jeans and a shake and go wig. <laughs> I'm going to come up here a wet seal and see what happens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to pull Tatiana season two. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. Um, we then go to, they say it's fan question. So were these questions like written by fans that other Queens then read, or were these just like, they like producers were like, Hey, Coco Montrese, read this question to uh, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Like I, I, I think it was a way to plug in people who were on the Vegas show. Yeah. I mean, really, that's, yeah. Um, speaking of, so Coco, I couldn't, so Coco asked Marsha if her makeup skills have improved. And she says that they have, and like, that she, I couldn't tell if she was joking that she's coming out with a cosmetic line. I probably, I mean. I thought Aura being like, is it just eyeliner? <laughs> That was good. Uh, but it was like, it was, I was like, I think she's serious though. So I'm like, I mean, she said Marsha X3. So I guess look it up. Yeah. Um, Asia asked um, Sasha Colby who her favorite drag queen is since everyone says that, she, uh, that she says that she's uh, your favorite drag queen's favorite drag queen. Um, and she cites Monica Monroe, who was Miss Continental 1984. Um, I was like, you could give the real answer or you could pander because we, you haven't won the crown yet. Yeah. Yeah. I feel well, well, that's well, is this also, do they tape this after the finale? Cause, fin- di- Cause didn't that happen? How does that happen for like a couple seasons where they tape the finale first and then the reunion after? Yes, but they still don't know who wins. They only know who's, who's in the top, top two. two. Yeah. But because there was, I forgot where it was, where it was one season where you watch back and it's clear, you know, who's all like in the finale and who isn't because of how they're reacting. Oh, it was um, uh, season 10 because Asia O'Hara was popping oh, off at RuPaul yes. and it was like, oh, <laughs> you like, clearly didn't win. Well, and we saw what happened with the butterflies. Yeah. 
Um, Deja asks Robin if she can hook her up with a flat screen TV. Cause, and then they get into the discussion about Robin working at Best Buy and the photo of her in her Best Buy uniform in drag, which was like, it is kind of an iconic. It's, it's such a fucking cunt picture. I love that. It's yeah. so good. Um, I, Aquaria asks Irene about trolling her castmates online and, and, um, I didn't, I don't follow Irene on Twitter. So like, I was like, I didn't notice anything. I'm not as like in touch with drag race Twitter as other people, mainly because it gets really toxic. Yeah. Well, I not mean, from the Queens always, but not always, but there was some stuff this season. Ooh. Was this filmed before or after the Lux Trinity stuff? I don't remember. Cause I feel um, like they would have brought, I actually think they would have brought that up. Are you kidding? Trinity's a winner. Well, you know. They do not talk poorly about winners. Well, I'm just saying there was a couple things this reunion where I was surprised that they brought up. Like, for example, sure. with Anitra later. Like, Oh, my God. I just looked it up. She, she does. It's a Marsha X3 Cosmetics Beauty Box. Oh, my God. Really? It's on my best, mybestjudymerch.com if anybody wants it. Um but it, it so it's not her line, or well, it's like her, she's like the the face of it or whatever. Right. It is. This is a drop it with Drew situation. <laughs> literally, this is a um, this is an all in one cosmetics bundle. Contains everything you'll need to get the look everyone's been talking about: a set of lighter than air false eyelashes and a collection of clear lip balms. Oh my god! In really? Assorted vanilla, peach, and green apple flavor ships <laughs> early May. For $35. Not, not vanilla, peach, and green. <laughs> it's everything. That's I kind funny. of love this. It's perfection. Those are the that's that's perfect. Um Derek Barry asked a question to Lucy of that uh that based off of her tweets on uh about the show, does she blame it on the edit? Um and Lucy kind of talks about like I don't like it definitely showed a side to me. The show showed a side to me, but it didn't show my full stuff as a person. I'm sorry, who said that? Lucy LaDuca. Okay. <laughs> I think, I think I she, don't know. I just I can believe she that. had all but one episode to show as many sides of herself as she wanted. But there is a very, like, two things. One, Drag Race is a, is a very much more produced show to where, like, a lot of the queens are very produced, and it's a competition. I could see, like, if you're in general real life, you're just hanging out with this person, she's probably not like the full, like, delusional like self-absorbed like person that she may come off when she's in this particular pressure cooker um that might be true but that doesn't mean that it had anything to do with the edit no 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 no, no. i think because well, she in the competition if she wanted to show other sides to herself, she could have showed other sides to herself. Instead, she just showed Milk in All Stars 3. Oh. Full on delusion. I mean, it wasn't. I, milk, it wasn't that nothing bad. Nothing will top Milk in All Stars 3. <laughs> no. But, I know what you mean. But though. it was close. Yeah. Like, that was crazy pants. Um,. And then Robin's mom asks a question to Mistress about uh, why'd you make fun of my daughter's wig in her entrance look with the, the tape underneath that was showing. Look. She wasn't wrong. She wasn't wrong. 
Um, and then Aura's mom asked Spice about uh, why she said that Aura should have been in the bottom of the Snatch game. You know she would have sent you home, <laughs> which even Spice was like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, I, I like that Spice at least can acknowledge. You, like, I think they're not delusional in that sense. They know their strengths and weaknesses and they like. Yeah, no, I, I don't think that the twins are delusional at all. I, I actually really... I enjoy what they bring. I just never thought that it was to the same level. I was, you know what I mean? No, yeah, totally. In terms of the competition, I was irritated that they kept sticking around and they were only sticking around, I think, because of the gimmick, to be honest. Yeah. But um, but I, I don't dislike them as queens. I think they're perfectly valid as queens. Oh, yeah. We get some unseen footage from the reading challenge. Um, I liked Lux's... <laughs> The Robin Fears. After your performance on this season, you might have to change it to The Robin Fine. <laughs> Fine. Uh, Selena had a good one of the difference between what's the difference between mistress and a brick? A brick gets laid. <laughs> That's yeah. a good one. Um, and then they reopened the library to everyone who didn't have an opportunity to be a part of it. Um, Sugar actually had a good one of, um, you know, Irene, Lux called you a swamp witch, which is kind of convenient because what's, what witchcraft did you have to pull in, to be in one episode and get more screen time than Robin? Yeah. <laughs> that was a good one. Um, and then Poppy had some good ones. <laughs> Aura Mayari, all those muscles and only your asshole is ripped. <laughs> <laughs> that was really good. And then I loved her saying, and guess what? The rumors are true. I did give someone COVID. That's why Lucy LaDuca has no taste. That was, that was great. Which, what was the, I had seen, there was like all those reports that she had like allegedly like, I, I, this is all I'm, if I have this wrong, it's because I pieced it together and I don't remember the specific details, but like, wasn't there something going around that she might've hooked Poppy, like hooked up with Carson. And that's why Carson's not on like the second half of the season. Cause he had COVID. I don't know. He's probably f was filming something. Yeah. Who knows? Oh, well, and then also this, ha so then Irene, Irene has a couple good like, uh, reads and then she reads Selena and says, you know, Everyone with fake tits and fake ass, you're the only one I've seen with a fake accent. And then Selena looks pissed. And rightfully so. And, and said, what did she say? Something of just like, okay, white girl or whatever. Yeah, pretty her. much. But like, so, so here's the thing. And people are coming at her online talking about, well, you just need to take the read girl. It's like, no, she's a person of color. Yeah. They code switch. It happens all the time. Like, any person of color does that. Yeah. Queer people do that. Autistic people do that. Like, there are so many people who hide part of their identity to make themselves more presentable to white society. Yeah. So, it makes sense. I also feel like, and maybe I, I don't know Selena, and so, I, like, I also feel like it would be something if, like, somebody who was with her longer in the competition had said it, as opposed to Irene, who, like, was there for, like, a cup of coffee. So it felt like if I, I don't know, not a cup of coffee. It just felt like she, Irene had like really strong opinions about people who like. Yeah. Well, and Irene did a interview with entertainment tonight. Um, and after the fact, um, and said, you know, I knew that it could be taken poorly or it could be taken well. And I thought that Selena would take it well. If I were to do it again, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. 
Um, but I don't know. I just, I, I, I just think you don't, as a white person, don't make race jokes. Sure. Like there was also, and there's a lot of people online that are also saying that Selena is not a person of color. That's it's like, stupid. It's like, her mother literally, like you, is you, an immigrant. Her mother is literally a Mexican immigrant. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, she's literally a person of color. Like the story that she told about her mother crossing. Do you not remember the ball? Like she had a whole. Yeah. Wasn't that the ball that she did? One of the. It was one of the runways. One of the she, runways yeah. where she did the story of her mother, like running across the the border to, yeah, to find she's a person, safety. It's like, of course she's a person of color. Stop it. I said, yeah, there was a, I mean, you know, I think drag pushes boundaries in certain regards. There was also a joke from the unaired reads that Mistress gave to Malaysia, which I will not repeat, that was like, whoo, this is on the line. Yeah, I, I don't remember which one you're Ma- talking about. Malaysia took it well, but like, uh, it, it was the one about a certain um, uh, old Bill Cosby cartoon. Yeah, maybe don't bring up Bill Cosby right <laughs> well, now. Well, no, like, it, yeah, that like, wasn't even, even the Even if that wasn't even the, the part you're talking about, like, that's enough. Yeah. Like, maybe we don't bring up a person that everyone is widely considers to be a rapist a child molester yeah but that wasn't the worst part (laughs) like and malaysia took it well like i think it was because her mistress are good so it's like and i'm sure that mistress would have like talked to her about it yeah mistress like she knows what the fuck she's doing and i'm not i'm not like cancel mistress isabel burke i'm just like ooh, when when i when she said it it's like ooh, that's a little caliente like what are we doing here yeah um, speaking of, so they get into the discussion of the gates, all the gates that happen on the season. Um, and they bring up the metal gate thing. Um, I thought Malaysia was, you know, handled this really well of talking about like, you know, watching it back. It, you know, she could tell that Miss, in retrospect, she could tell that Mistress and Lux weren't being serious and they were just playing and it wasn't something that they were trying to intentionally like right. be dicks about and that it just was triggered her with all of her past stuff. Well, and that's what we talked about. We mentioned that on this pod. And, and, like, and she talked about she had had sort of like a rapport with Mistress already built, but not really with Lux. And so, right. and like, she didn't really understand that Lux had like a real dry sense of humor. And like, that's part of who she is. Um, and she did, she's like, I regret calling them bullies because I know that that right. word directed at those people have a, has a tendency to cause a certain result. Right. And like, you know, with the fan base and stuff like that. Um, they talk a little bit about the baby bump gate with Lucy. Um, Lucy does say that Lucy does cop and say that Lux was right about her not having the bump. But then she was like, but I was not wearing a corset. (laughs) And (laughs) Lux was like, oh, it's fine. Whatever. Like you were maybe wearing a shaper. Okay. I'll cop to that. Um, and then, so then they get into the heaven bacon game. And so Lucy is like, you know, I thought the, I didn't like mistress when she had already had her role, like commenting and like speaking up to like, you know, and that basically it just made the drama worse. You weren't diffusing. And mistress's point was like, we were at an impasse and like, I was like, we need to pick. And that's where I'm at, where it was just like, if you've seen any time that they've had these impasses with these kind of like deciding roles and stuff like that, the other Queens who are not the two people fighting for it need to comment and be like, this person needs to have it. Or you audition 
in the moment or whatever. But like, because at the end of the day, you need time to rehearse lines. You need to like start getting all the actual production together. And if all you're doing is sitting there bickering over who gets to be the star, yeah, then like you're wasting time and you're going to make the production worse because of it. Yeah. Uh, and then Rue asked like, mistress, what do you, what did you mean? Like when you were saying that Lucy was being fake and then mistress goes, through the whole competition or this moment right now. Yeah. And it was such a, and, and it was just like, no, I'm serious. Like, I don't know what. Well, and I also wasn't sure whether Rue was saying, okay, so are like, um, why do you think she's being fake? Yeah. <laughs> or why do you think, why, what, why is that what you think? Right. Why did you assess what she's doing and say, this is fake? I wasn't sure which of those questions she was asking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, like, Lux is also defends herself a little bit, being like, I don't play mind games. That wasn't my intention with, like, fighting over the role and stuff like that. But I eventually gave it to her because, like, I, like after I gave it to her, I was like, okay, then she, if she's going to be the main role, then she can hang herself, essentially, of, like, you know, if if she flops, she, she flops, and then, you know, it'll be even more of a flop in the sense that she wanted this role. Like, so, right. you know, she can have it. Um, and then they had, they have a little fun moment about the 40 inch gate with her and Irene and Lex is like, I was always taught in school that if it's some, if it's like 38 inches, you round up to the nearest 10th. It's like, you don't measure from the front edge of the wig, girl. Why are you wet? Like, why are you measuring from the lace? Yeah. It's like when, when men measure from the booty hole. It's not that long, sweetie. Do, please tell me men. I know that's a joke that people say, but please tell me men don't actually do that. No, but they, you would be surprised how, like, it's a number. Who gives a fuck? It's what you do with it. Like, yeah. why are, why is it a thing? Who cares if it was 40 inches? Did you look sickening or not? Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Like, who fucking cares? Yeah. Uh, and Irene brought a tape measure, which I thought was funny. A little prop, a little prop comedy. Um, Just we, getting that screen time. We, we go through some of the unseen uh, looks from some of the eliminated queens and what they would have done. You know, nice little moment to sort of give them mm -hmm. a showcase of that. Um, and then they tutor boot various different looks uh, and go through that. Um, then we get the Maddie Morphosis golden boots presentation because Maddie won last right. season. Um, and, and so the, it's between Marsha for her blood splattered tie dye look. I didn't think this should have been the bottom. I don't think it's an, well, here's the thing. I don't think it's an ugly look. It didn't fit the category. Now, like, sure. Jax's was an ugly look. And I, I kind of yes. thought Jax should have won the, for the golden boot. And there was, I needed a explanation as to what that was. And that, but the one that ends up winning is Selena for her like traffic stop, like sign, which was crazy. <laughs> like, I thought it was crazy, but also it, again, like a lot of the looks that are deemed quote unquote bad this season, it would have been middle of the road or high safe yeah. in other seasons. So it, like, it bugs me that that gets labeled as the worst look of the season, which I don't think that that's accurate. No, I think Jack's, that, that lime green, like, booger, literal booger, like, weird tie-dye. I, I really hated the Fashion titty. Week look from Malaysia. The Fashion Week look. 
Which one was that? It was the one that she had that cape thing that was pink and oh, the one that they liked that they loved. Well, they were yeah, they were never, never they were never going to present that one, but I hated it. I thought it was trash. I said that on this podcast. I said it on the Tootin Boot. Sue me. Anyway, continue. Anyway, so don't sue me. I don't have money. So then we get into the whole like controversy of the who should go home question and everything that sort of like spurred from that. Wow. Um, Lux was saying that she didn't try to save her. Th- the moment when she was going through, which I don't believe. Like Lux was like, no, Lux was I, loving every minute of that. It was very much the the same as Katie on Vanderpump last week, where she's like, no, I. Uh, what was it that she said? Where she gave that sly smile oh, afterwards? Yeah, the, yeah well, maybe I'll be uh, go to the pool and I'll, I'll forget and I'll be drunk. I don't know. <laughs> like they just ding. Yeah. Um, and then Lucy is like, you know. I get everyone had to say a name, but I do feel like you punched down. Then she made, she made this. Lucy will say things that I feel like seem like they seem like good reads and seem like a good, like, Ooh, gotcha moment. But when you actually think about it, it's not re- like, it doesn't really make any sense. She's like, I just found it real that I was called unoriginal when at the same moment where you were wearing a wig that was already worn on the runway by a puppet. It's like, I don't see what that has to do with. Because the wig was an original. like you have ever worn an original you wore the same wig all season yeah it's like what's the like you're taking a minuscule thing about what lux was actually saying and then you know you know also i'm pretty sure she didn't say that word she said she said generic she did not say nothing you've ever worn has been well and she said on the generic side and then they get into this whole like discussion of like lucy saying that she said everything that i've done has been done before on drag race and lux is like i didn't say that and like Lucy's like, no, you definitely, I don't believe she said that. I don't believe, I mean, she, Lucy said that, that maybe an untucked, maybe, but like, cause Lucy was very much, very much like that was verbatim what you said. I was like, I, it's definitely not verbatim. No. Like you can, like that could be your interpretation, but like, that's definitely not verbatim what she said. Um, and then the topic of comes up, like Selena being pissed at her for saying her name. And Lucy's like, I, I agree with Lucy. Like, I didn't know how everyone was going to take the question, like being the first one to go. Should right. We, like, is it track record? Is it whatever? And then she goes, in retrospect, I probably would have said Lux in the fact that I would have pulled from the f- previous challenge, you know, before this challenge, and that you were the one that, str- since you were the one that struggled with choreography. And Lux was like, I struggled with choreography? What? I like, turned the wrong way once. Yeah, in the, she, Lucy's like, in the final product or whatever. It's like, Okay, but I didn't struggle with the like you and Mistress were the two that were struggling the most with choreography. I love Mistress then pulling a Nini leagues. Now why am I in it? <laughs> <laughs> nah, I even did nothing. Um, yeah, and so yeah, um, we get a quick like again like unseen footage of like the celebrity guest judges and like sort of like again stuff that we didn't see in terms of like the hour episodes mostly. Um, the only thing I noted from it, like there were some funny moments, but um, they're at the judges table and like, they're talking and like Michelle sneezes and ha- does this loud, like, ah, like <laughs> her sneeze. It's just like, what are you doing? And Why pe- are you screaming? Well, people went in the archives and I, th- I, I might have this wrong. I think it was Alaska on like a race chaser, like like in like 2017 or something, mm-hmm. like said that like Michelle has a very distinct sneeze that yeah. is like, like, <laughs> like it's so it was like cool to finally see that. 
Um, and oh, then, also, apparently, Willem's episode, or the episode of uh, Race Chaser this week, Willem goes in I on heard this about reunion. Well, well, and I also, because I guess there was some controversy about who was allowed to walk the red carpet at the It finale. was only the, the, uh, the girls from, from the, the season. season Willow, Willow and Cornbread. Willow and Cornbread. So, only presenters. Yeah. That's never been the case before. It's always been... Anybody that's an alum gets to walk the red carpet. Yeah. And I was wondering why those were the only pictures we saw come out. It's because they were the only ones allowed to walk, which yeah. is bullshit. These queens spend so much money on their looks for the reunions mm-hmm. because a lot of times, especially if they don't have a giant social media presence, this is their really this is their chance to get a highly seen look out there. Yeah. And they used to do it even where they would have them walk on the stage too. Like they would do like yeah. a runway with all the old past queens. Like I Every queen that shows up gets to get on stage. It seems like an odd decision. And yeah. it, and it seems like some like cuz it seems the mainstreaming of like world wonder and like with like it's I don't know. I, there was a lot of discussion about it I did see online. Um, and then we get into sort of a more serious discussion about the attacks that are uh, being alleged against, uh, being forced against drag queens and trans people in the community. And mm-hmm. uh, the, through the whole night, they were promoting the ACLU Drag Defense Fund. Uh, I know Aura, when she was talking about being engaged, said that you know, don't send a, a wedding gift, donate to the Drag Defense Fund. Um, and I think we in our podcast still have the links up for, we do. for that um, and a bunch is, of others. I don't know if it's directly to the Drag Defense Fund, but we do have a link to the, the ACLU. Um, and if you are wanting to specifically donate to that fund, I'm sure that there's a link right there yeah. on that link page that we link to. Uh, Aura, I like that they had Aura talk. Cause Aura, so they talked about Aura. She had performed in Nashville. Well, which, she's from Nashville. And she's from Nashville. Uh, and perform with Marin Morris, who credit to Marin Morris. Like, I know we were talked about, like, you know, these, and I, uh, people were tweeting, like, these guest judges need to actually, like, be out there. And, like, Marin Morris is one of the ones that was really, I think, yeah. being on the forefront. Um, and particularly in country, like, that's a very, like, important place. Is she? No, she's not the one that had no. the, the queens perform with her on the CMT. No, Who that, was that. Oh God, I uh, I don't I don't follow country, so I was like, but I saw it out and I I tweeted about it. Um, I'll find out. Yeah, give me a second. Um, but it's a big bull. It, like it's a it's important to have that at this time in front of those communities, and it's it's really like like. More than anything, that's putting yourself out there as an ally because that could be like career suicide for a lot of people at this moment. And like Kelsia Ballerini, Kel- yeah, Kelsey Ballerini, yeah. Um, she and she was great, like in terms of in terms of that. Um, and she talk- Aura also talks about like it's particularly scary for her in Nashville not right now. Like, just like she doesn't even travel and drag; she goes to the club and gets dressed. Yeah. Robin talks a little bit about um, how she spoke at Yale recently. Uh, she did she did a drag a drag queen story hour, but for adults, which I right. think is a is a good like fuck which, you. Which like, Yale is in Hartford, Connecticut, Connecticut, so it's in her hometown. And she was talking about like a lot of these like people trying to go through the legal system to like attack and chip away at LGBT rights come from Yale, which yeah, you know it. And it, I liked it. It was a big fuck you to them of like, <laughs> I know she like, I'm reading drag, like children's books to grown ass adults because, right. you know, the idea that we have to distill this idea that 
a drag queen reading a a perfectly acceptable children's book to a child is somehow perverted is yeah ridiculous. Um, and I do appreciate like Irene also made the important point of pointing out that also we talk about this in the realm of the attacks on drag, but also that these are also just blatantly veiled attacks to the transgender community and that they have longer effects and longer intended effects beyond just banning drag shows and, you know, and, and things of that regard. And Sasha particularly like talks about like how she's at the intersection of that. It's not, it, this is something that affects not just her career, but her livelihood and like, you know, the fears of that. Well, and, and to me, what really, um, what it, it really is frustrating is that it, it's so blatant that it's not just about drag queens. It's clearly about trans women. Yeah. Because they ignore the fact that... It's never that trans men. You, they ignore the fact that um, we have plenty of cis women who are drag queens. Yeah. We have cis women who are drag kings. We have cis men who are drag kings. None of those people are being vilified. It's just queer men, non-binary, and trans women performers in queen drag. Yeah. And it's it's, it's so you, infuriating. You talk about it a lot about how like it's like rooted in this misogynistic as well. Oh yeah. All of homo like, all of homophobia, all of transphobia is rooted in misogyny. It is about from their point of view, how right? could you possibly want to it degrade is, yourself? Well, there's a reason that lesbians don't face the same stigma that gay men do. Yeah. Because they are, quote unquote, in their mind, right, are women trying to take the role of men. And while that's still mm-hmm. not okay... It's understandable by you would want to do that. But a man they to could, lower themselves to the position of a woman. Yeah. That, that's yeah. a problem. It's a, it's a fucked up. It, and it's the same thought process with the reason that trans men don't face the same stigma as trans women. Yeah. Is sure, non, non-binary AFAB people do still um, face some stigma. But for the most part, when someone thinks of non-binary, they think of an AFAB person. Right. And they ignore the fact that non-binary AMAB people exist. And that many of us dress more feminine than the cis world is comfortable with. And at the end of the day, fuck them. Fuck their misogyny. Fuck their transphobia. Fuck their homophobia. We're going to be who we are. The world is just going to keep getting more and more queer. Gen Z is 50% queer. Yeah. At last check. And that's just the people that are comfortably self-reporting is that. We are progressing. You will either progress with us or die out. Well, also, I think, like, I love that Sasha also made that point. Like, Sasha made a good point to, like, reiterate, like, we're doing something right if they're getting nervous. Yeah. And this is a response to a nervousness. Like, this, they're they're throwing everything against the wall and burning everything down and being so blatant about it and is a result of them realizing that they are losing. And, 
you know, I saw a great, um, in one of these like school board meetings, this uh, person reading this thing of just like, it, of, of making that exact point of like, this is all because you've already lost. You can't put us back in the closet. Yeah. There's going to be a whole generation of people who know they not only can be queer, gay, trans across the spectrum, but know that at the very, at the very least that it exists in society. This it, we see it with the book bans and with the, what was happening in terms of education. It's around this philosophy of I should be able to raise my child without them knowing that gay people exist, without them knowing that trans people exist. And Without them knowing that black people exist, exactly. brown people, yeah. like anything that is not cishet white. And, the, and guess what? It's literally a fool's errand. Yeah. It's impossible. You're not going to, like, the fact that we have drag race on a major uh, network, the fact that we're having drag queens and trans women and, and or trans people in general and people across the spectrum in mainstream culture. We've had drag queens on The View. The View. <laughs> Like, Not the view. No, I but I mean, mean, but if you want to talk about mainstream, you don't get more mainstream view than the view. Yeah. And I, it's like, there's no putting that back away. That's, that's like, you, they're going to attempt to, and it's, and, and it's going to get vicious and we need to fight it every chance we get. But it's a futile effect. It's, yeah. a, it's a futile effort on their part. The thing is, is we don't fit in the closet anymore. So if anybody's going in there, it's you motherfuckers. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And I, I, I just think that's also a good message to share sometimes. I think it's important to inform people in terms of the, the dangerous elements and protecting yourself and like strategizing. But I also think it's really important to instill confidence in these people to say like, you're winning. We are winning, even though it may not feel like it in the larger scheme of things we're winning and that's exactly why this we're dealing with this. A lot of people have um, likened this to like um, when a person is dying of Mm -hmm. like an awful disease or just old age or or anything, um, how the last day or so they will see a rally, right? That person will usually have more energy and everybody thinks they've turned a corner And they're starting to get better. And then all of a sudden, the next day, they're dead. Yeah. This is the last day. Yeah. This is them rallying before they're gone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just just know that your ideas of how the world works are dying. There is not much time left for you people. Yeah. Um, And then... um uh, as you mentioned before, they have a video message from the Connecticut Lieutenant Governor and the, their LGBT caucus in Connecticut um, praising the Connecticut girls and, and sort of thanking them for all that they do. I, and I thought, and Lucy, as you mentioned, got emotional about it. I thought it was important in this. And I got Lucy's point of like, when you are a kid growing up in a small town and like you feel like everyone's against you, even your own government, like, it is important to see that in many ways. Like we've talked, I mean, we've talked here about like us moving to Pittsburgh and sort of like the, the need for that. And like I watched, I think it was last week, Josh Shapiro's like first address as governor and like him emphasizing his protections for the LGBT community and fighting right. for them. And it's like, we haven't, I grew, I've been in, I grew up in Texas since I was four years old. Like you've been there, you were there pretty much your whole life. Yep. Like we never had that. Never. So it, it, I, I can understand why it, why it means a lot. 
Um, and then Rue, so Rue then calls for any last things that any of the queens want to get off their chest. Um, and Irene's like, I'll talk again because I need more airtime. Um, she brings up this thing, which I couldn't tell if she was joking about, that Mistress had told her that when she left, Lucy had, you know, Lucy had said something about, oh, I heard Irene has like fillers or whatever. And I just feel like that doesn't make sense because her face is sagging. <laughs> Bitch and Lucy's wear. like, what? I didn't say that. And Mistress is like, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> she pulled Elisa Rinna real quick. I do I... not remember saying that. <laughs> For any, I know this is an audio podcast, but I'm making that really dumb look that Rinna makes in that picture, like the jaw on the ground, like, <gasps> yeah. what? Why would you think I said that? Bitch, because you said it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Amethyst asks everyone who took her baby from her talent show performance. And we found out it was Anitra because Anitra was at one point planning to do Kristen Wiig for Snatch Game uh-huh. and doing the Dunese character with the baby arms. Yeah. Which I kind of wish she would have done. That would have been epic. Um, Rue then asks also about like, um, you know, everyone seems very opinionated and it's, and you know, it's always interesting to see like, Queens now who come on the show, like in the age of social media and the difference between then and sort of earlier seasons, and if they ever feel like they muzzle themselves because of that. Um, and Lux kind of talks about, like, you know, she gets hate comments and stuff like that, but she just blocks them and doesn't internalize them, you know, be, and, yeah. you know, which is important. Um, and, but I like this discussion because then Mistress also brings up, like, the fact that obviously her Instagram got shut down like three times and, like, you know, you know how the fans can go after certain queens when we're in fights and stuff like that. Like, she she cites like the fight, particularly the fight with she had with Marsha and stuff like that. And I thought it was really interesting. She says like, you know, some queens have spoke out, and and the camera directing was great. You know, when when it happens, some queens have spoke out, and they cut to Marsha, and some don't, and that's you know, and and some you know just let us take it, but it's no tea, and it cuts to Lucy. Because <laughs> Mar- Marsha was at the forefront of being like when that was happening, like you, like if you're doing this in my name, you need to fucking stop. Yeah, it's fucking ridiculous. Like I think even she de- deactivated her own account or stopped posting on her own account until Mistress got hers back. Like, like Marsha was very much at the forefront of things, and like this is where. But that was the moment where I was like, I wish Andy Cohen was here because Andy would have asked the follow up question of like, who are you referring to? Like, yeah. And that would have been good. Yeah, it would have been great. Um, but we don't get that. And instead, Lux... And then Lux goes, I just have one thing left to say. Pussy kiss, Miss America. I, and we, me and Merlin... She says this. And me and Merlin both look at each other like, what the fuck? What the <laughs> fuck was that? But, but then... So we It's the most obscure of obscure Rue references. But but Lux loves a Rue reference. Lux is the reference queen. We did establish this. I and I just I looked up before we recorded. It's like a it's it was when Rue was on the Stephen Colbert show like three months ago. Like it's not even that long ago. Like around like Christmas time. And like Colbert like uh, says like, oh Merry Christmas. And then Rue goes, Thank you. I like to say prissy Christmas. <laughs> And it's the most like Colbert doesn't even laugh. Like it's the most awkward bullshit ever. <laughs> she must have been on her coffee enemas that day. It was oh my god. This is like you gotta shape up for us. Like the gate, like the straights already think we're crazy. <laughs> you can't be acting like Get this on together. national TV. 
Get it together, Mama Roo. Um, we then do like a, like sort of like the highlights of like like the top four of like sort of like particular moments, and they and they also include some bonus clips. Um, they talk about Anitra's talent show performance, obviously, which was like I think the highlight of the season. I feel like that oh, was such yeah. a. I loved when they showed the like the critiques afterwards that they didn't show. RuPaul telling Anitra with the whole saying, "Walk that fucking duck." You have kicked the zeitgeist in the pussy. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, Ru. And then the best was Anitra. Like, Ru in the reunion asked Anitra, like, what, how, what advice would you give the people who want to walk that fucking duck? And Anitra goes, keep that ass down. Quack, real cunt. <laughs> Knees high. And pussy on fire. <laughs> Thank you, Anitra. I need that on a shirt. It's so good. It's a great, like, like I need the sound bite. Like, that's a good... And then, and this is where I was like, they're bringing up some interesting stuff. Like, Rue then brings up, you know, some people call it voguing, and some people call it noging. Where do you stand on this, Anitra? And she goes, I mean, it's vogue-ish. <laughs> I thought that was the right answer. Like, I love that Anitra's not, like, taking it too much to heart about that stuff. That's like, fair. Um, they talk a little bit about Lux's fashion moment with the zebra print and how amazing it was and how great she is on the runway all the time mm -hmm. in terms of her confidence and her walk. Um, they talk about Mistress in the Daytona Wind Challenge and how good she was and Rue just laughing at literally everything she says in the fucking rehearsal. Yeah. Like full fucking cackle, um, which was funny. Um, and then Sasha, oh, and then they show Sasha in the music video and how good she was. And I, this was another one where I love the judges' critiques on the main stage. RuPaul going, going, I'm amazed by you. I'm the motherfucking queen of drag, and I'm amazed by you. <laughs> it's like you were complimenting Sasha, but you threw in tooting your own horn there, didn't you? It was giving, the, it was giving the vibe of the the viral one from when they when they actually aired of Ru going. Well done, Mama. <laughs> I'm amazed by you. Did you see all the, you saw all the memes of people like how I order my steak. Well done, Mama. It's so good. It's, uh... it's perfect. Um, yeah. And so they praise Sasha for that. Um, and then, yeah, next week, grand finale. And then they break down that we're basically doing what we're doing, what we did last season of like, Everyone has their performance, essentially, that they're doing. And then the two best ones will then lip sync and then we'll crown a winner. I think that's the right move. I, I really like that last season. Yeah. Um, it's a good way to even the playing field in a way and, like, kind of, like, you know. You know, at least they're not having to do um, face-only lip syncs. Yeah. Uh, from the comfort of their <laughs> living rooms. That COVID finale was so bad. Oh, what the face keeny was the worst part of it. Yeah. Oh, I feel so bad for them that, that yeah, like I, I I get that they had to do what they had to do, but like yeah. I mean, the next season wasn't super great because what was that? That was the drive-in one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least they were on a stage, but At like, least they were, they were on a stage, but still. Yeah. And it was a split reunion. There was like a different reunion somewhere else too. Was there? Y yeah, there was like two locations. That's, yeah, it was it, it was weird. I'm glad we're back into. <laughs> I, I don't like to say post COVID era because guess what, COVID still exists. Um, but you know, I'm glad that we're pretending COVID's over. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that we can live in the fantasy. 
Um, but that was the reunion. Because drag's all about the fantasy. There we go. Um, but that was the reunion episode. Good reunion. I don't think it was as good as it could have been. It was fine. But it was like it was it was still really good. And we're excited for the grand finale next week. We're so excited to get to talk about that. You're not going to want to miss our thoughts, but we're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we are talking Survivor 44. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And I'm the Riz. And, you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On the Wrestling Man. That's right. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And if you're anything like us, you live your life out loud. And when it comes to issues of discrimination, inequity, and outright bigotry... We use every platform we have to speak out against systems of oppression that perpetrate violence against marginalized groups. That's why we are so proud to wear designs from the Survivors Know merch store. Their team has created designs that feature unapologetic, empowering, and survivor-centered messaging that range from mild, like accountability is love and toxicity is not on the menu, to a little more spicy, like one of my favorites, Fuck your laws, fuck your system, transformative justice now, which has a cute little happy flower on it. Each design is available on a variety of items from t-shirts and hoodies to bags, blankets, magnets, and even stickers. And as more items become available, the options will continue to grow. 100% of the proceeds go back into supporting the amazing work done at Survivors Know to support survivors, workers, and survivor advocates by organizing, challenging the status quo, and creating alternatives to the systems that fail us. Support Survivors Know by shopping today at SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. That's SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com. Welcome back to A Gay and His MB. It is time to slide on over to Fiji with Survivor 44. The merge, the actual merge episode, because technically it wasn't a merge last time. It was a half merge. and this It was, was a merge. And this was also kind of a half merge, technically, in terms of, at the very least, the, how Tribal Council played out. We'll get to it. Uh, I had thoughts on this episode <laughs> in terms of um, choices that were made. I mean, they do love a twist and another twist and a third twist and a fourth twist. Um, and if you're lucky, a fifth twist. They really love also a twist that, like, we'll get to it, like, gets rid of all, all like, certain players' agencies in the game. Like, yep. Like, like, well, yeah, we'll get to it. Um, Yam Yam, they come back from camp. Yam Yam is happy to still be safe. Um, and didn't like seeing his name written down for the first time, but he says, you know, he tells everyone, oh, it's no hard feelings or whatever, like joking with them of like, well, but you're all, you know, I'm coming after all you next and you're all going to hell, like, but joking. 
Like and but then in confessional, he's like, "It's a nice name, but name, but you don't want to see it written down." Yeah, <laughs> his his strategy is basically like, "I got to put in the charm. Like I have to be yeah. like charming, yam yam." And like, I mean, it's a good strategy. People don't want to get rid of people that they like. Yeah, it's it's his best option. So they go like the next morning, and they're deciding on finally their tribe name because you know it's now the merge. They eventually decide on Va Va, which I guess Va is for right. Whatever the Fiji language is, I feel so stupid. Um, yeah. Um, but the, so f- because it's season 44 and then they're all like discussing and deciding this name and they're like, wait a minute, where's Matt? Like he should be in on this d- discussion. Cut to Matt and Franny walking in the fucking forest because of course they're all they're fucking glued together. Um, and and then Matt is in his confessional basically being like, you know, and now because I survived that tribal, I finally have a vote. And I can play Survivor now. Yay. Because <laughs> Soka literally has not been a tribal except for once. Yeah. but also, and, and Matt didn't have his vote. But then again, like, do, are you, do you get to fi- finally play Survivor now fully? We'll get to it. <laughs> he gets to play for a certain amount of time. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, he got a trial subscription. They're all sort of like discussing things at a certain point. They're in like a group and Brandon starts asking about the Soka idol and about like uh, if, if it's been taken or not. And then brings up the fact that when I got the idol from uh, Ratu. Ratu that I played in the first uh, tribal, there was a real one and a fake one. And then Matt immediately is like, oh shit. Like, Cause he's just, and also he's just been bragging about the fact that he's happy that he has an idol. Right. And so he's like, oh wait, I might have a fake idol. Actually, I probably have a fake idol because there was only one idol in it when I got it. And so why would the real one be in there? Honestly, if I was him, I would have still played it because you run the risk of going, okay, well, number one, we don't know if this one had a fake idol. Yeah. Number two, I don't know that they didn't take the wrong idol and then leave the the real idol in there. Right. So I'm going to play it. I'm going to vo- voice why I'm playing it, even though I think it could be fake. Right. And just, you know, if it saves you, it does. If it doesn't, then you're, you're not losing anything. It's not like a shot in the dark. You're not losing your vote. You yeah. just... I guess the, I guess the only yeah I guess the only thing is they don't want to have even the scene of playing a fake because it's like well that's a knock against your resume quote unquote but like I agree with you it's like why does it matter if you know it's fake like or if you yeah. have like high suspicion that yeah I would just say I would have literally have said hey I think this could be fake because I've heard stories about but I want to know for sure but I want to know for sure and I think it's worth the risk of quote unquote looking bad or whatever yeah. So Matt then immediately tells Brandon, Yam Yam, and Kane about all this. And he suspects that it's Danny, which he, he actually susses that out pretty well. That she, like, he thought back and like, noticed that Danny was guiding him when they were searching for the other right. idol like, of where to, where to look. So he nails it pretty well. And then meanwhile, Danny is talking with Carson, Heidi, Franny, and Kane about getting Lauren out. That Lauren should be their goal because Lauren has an extra vote. It's all known, obviously, mm-hmm. that Lauren has an extra vote. When it was known, we have no clue well, because no. we thought she revealed it many, many times. At some point, well, we know it's because she revealed it. Like, it's like, 
which is even more frustrating. Um, but Danny's basically like, that's who we should gun for. Um, and then Kane, Matt, Carson, and Franny then start discussing about the possibility of getting rid of Danny. Because Matt obviously knows about Danny being the one with the real idol. I don't know if Matt even explicitly says this to them, that he thinks he, Danny has the real one. But, like, he's like... I don't think he voices it. I think he just susses that that could be who it was. Yeah. And then Carson, you know, has this point. I mean, Carson realizes that, like, Danny's feeding him Lauren's name. You know, Matt and them are feeding him Danny's name. And so he's in a really good spot where he can, and he immediately goes to Carolyn and Yam Yam and Tika, his original tribe, and is just like, this is what's happening. So he's like, this is exactly where I want to be. Like, you know, you know, middle ground where two strong players are going against each other and I have all the info and I can sort of maneuver in the background. And so, so I, we're about to get to the immunity challenge. I think this is my frustration with this episode. Everything we just laid out about like what just happened on camp, right? With all these dynamics. I was like, oh, this is interesting. Yeah. Like you have all of the like, like, and it's, and it involves advantages to a certain extent. It's got fake idols involved. It's got real idols. It's got the advantages. It's got, you know, the dynamics of different tribes of how they're made up and stuff, and stuff like that. One person has a goal of gunning for this person. The other one has a goal of gunning for this person. It's so clear, and I'm like, okay, this is actually going to be really interesting. And then it doesn't fucking matter. None of it matters, because then we get to the immunity challenge, and they just throw a fucking wrench in it, where every, and it's just, it's frustrating from a viewer perspective of like, we just watched 10 minutes of strategizing about something that didn't end up mattering. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Like, this, yeah. So, we'll explain. So, we get to the immunity challenge, and it's, so... But it's not your normal immunity challenge. Even though, again, we're in the merge, they're competing in teams again. <laughs> I mean, we've seen this one before. Sort of, yeah. Like, I mean... Uh, there's an added wrench in it, but right. yes. This whole, like, half, you know, only half of you will go to tribal, essentially, sort of vibe. Um, but this, it's a little different this time. It's divided into teams of five. Um, and the game is that essentially you're on a balance beam holding this pole with a, a platform on the end of it above your head with a ball. And if you drop the ball, then you're out. So, and the platform had a lip on it. I was like, y'all cheating. Yeah. In early days of survivor, they wouldn't have had a lip, but it was, yeah. I mean, it looked like a early lot, days though. of survivor. It would have been a dome that you had to balance it on top of. Like. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so for they're in two teams of five, as we mentioned, purple and orange. The player who lasts the longest on each team gets immunity. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, long, the one who lasts the longest of everyone, right? Not only do they get immunity, their whole team gets immunity. Right. We've seen this before. Yes. But, and they get a reward. And they get a reward. But the difference is that they still get to go to tribal as, and they sit in the jury box. But they have no actual say. Back in the, in the most recent past seasons, it's only half of the, it's a full tribal with the full cast, but only half are eligible to be voted out. Right. This, half of them are eligible to be voted out with one of the half getting immunity, but then everyone else on the other half can't vote, but they're ineligible to be voted out. Right. So it's like, okay, I, it's fine. Like, it's, 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 you know, it's, again... It's just like you have no power. <laughs> like, like you were like, isn't it better the original way? Like, wouldn't you rather want the power? 
to still vote somebody out. Like I I'm, just I know that we've talked about this offline, but I'm I'm with you. I don't like the idea of taking away people's votes for winning. Yeah. Or really for a lot of anything, but I really don't like it when you get it as a reward. Well, it's like you're taking, and we'll get to it with another advantage later. I mean, I guess you can twist that you, if, you know, if I don't have a vote, then there's no blood on my hands. So, I mean, you can like construe a positive spin it's to not, this. It's not inherently negative. But I, I don't care. Losing your vote vote is inherently negative to me. Sure. Because I, I think for me, it's like you're taking away a person's agency when you take away right. their vote, even the, if they're safe. Like, and so like, and then, but someone, I saw tweets that were really, really astute about it too, where it's like the whole point of this game, they, they instill all the time now is about resume building. And you're going to do a whole tribal council when ha whole half of the tribe, because they won a challenge, don't get to do anything to build their resume. Right. Like, oh, and then you have the added bonus to the fact or to this with they're an 11 person cast. So one person is left in the middle, Carson. Yeah. Car and he just randomly picks a tribe and he get he doesn't compete, but he, if they win, then he wins or loses with them. Yeah. He gets even more agency lost because he doesn't even get to compete in this, and he could win immunity and have his vote taken away, or he could be on the chopping block, yeah. and be sent home in a challenge that he had no chance to actually win immunity for himself. Right, that's infuriating. And I think the frustrating thing, and we'll get to it later too, like. I saw a great tweet, which is just like, they're not playing Survivor anymore. No. This isn't Survivor. This isn't Survivor. It's Big Brother it's on a, an it's island. It's a different game, and it's not necessarily boring or not necessarily bad, but it's not Survivor. No. Like, the, like the whole point of Survivor is the, is the building of alliances and then using them to your advantage to save yourself and move forward in the competition. And yes, there's some strength elements and yes, there's other elements, but that's the core of it. But when you're breaking these people up into random teams to where some of them are safe and some of them are not, and then they just have to completely re-strategize and contextualize every elimination for a situation, not factoring in anything from like the last like six weeks or whatever, like that's not the it's just about surviving at that point and, and it's survivor i guess but like that's the, that strips so much of the elements of what has made the game good yeah it's not it's you know i also just we'll we'll get to it but i mean i just think i think that giving positives that have negatives inherently attached that you don't get to decide if you want to take it until after you're screwed yeah that well, like that has been everything except for the birdcage. Yeah. And everything is like, what do they get to this? Like, what are they going to choose? What are they going to get to? It's like, it's like they, they're so focused on this. Like everyone's in like a choose your own adventure. And it's like, but that's not the point. The point is like acting like human beings and putting them in a, in a, in a situation and seeing how they would like, it's not about like so much of this has been randomized. Yeah. And it's like that, whether you randomly get the right key in the middle of the forest to open a, <laughs> to open this, um, locked bird cage with an advantage that is going to stab you in the back and may, you know, 
um, bite you in the ass later, or whether you, you know, randomly turn a wheel the right direction, yeah. and we- whether that takes your vote or gives you an extra vote, or there's no like, skill. What's the skill? There's no skill. It's random chance. At that point, have everybody buy a lotto ticket and have whoever wins the lotto win the million dollars. And the, and not only are you putting it in chance in terms of like for them. You're putting it in chance in terms of your production because then good people who are good strategists or good, like, you know, social players and all that stuff could go home for just bullshit. Yeah. And that's frustrating. At least before you had to be a good strategist and also hide the fact that you were a good strategist because being too upfront about it could send you home. But this, it doesn't matter. You could be the best person. You could be yeah. the person who knows how to make all the fire, who knows how to, you know, get the fish, who is winning all the challenges or up there to where you could be winning most of the challenges, but you, you know, um, roll, a dice one time and all of a sudden you're sent home. You pick the wrong, uh, uh, cl- uh, whatever the bowl or the cup or whatever with the like safety thing. Remember when they did that a couple of seasons ago where oh, it's just yeah. like, either you get that or you go home. It's like, wh- why is that a thing? Like that's not, that shouldn't be a thing. And it's like, uh, it's, 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 I guess some, I gotta imagine someone finds it exciting. Cause it's like, Ooh, the twist. But it's like, there are I mean, sure, it's less predictable, but that's not why we watch the show. We watch the show to see people figure things. Like half of especially it, especially on like, a show that's forty-four seasons old, that right. has such a loyal fan base and following. Like it's like this is not why they watch the show. If anyway. we wanted to watch this, we'd watch you know world poker tournament so, or something. I saw a great tweet which was just like, "This isn't Survivor. This is just Mario Party." Like. Literally, it's Mario Party. Jeez. Oh, my God. Um, so going Actually, on, no, that's more fun. Going on to the challenge. On orange, you have Heidi, Kane, Danny, Franny, and Carolyn. And then on purple, you have Lauren, Yam Yam, Jamie, Matt, and Brandon. Carson, as you mentioned, gets to pick the team and picks orange. Um, so Franny lasts the longest for the orange team and earns immunity for herself. And there's still four purple members left as she's the only one left for orange. So it's like... She has to then survive all the purple members. The only problem is, like, now in retrospect, so, spoiler alert, Franny, Brandon is the last for purple. He gets immunity for himself, and then Brandon drops. So Franny wins the whole thing, and her team is safe. But now looking in retrospect, Franny, if she was smart, would have, as, after she had one immunity for herself, would have thrown it, because then she could have saved both herself and Matt. Yeah. Because, like, everyone on Twitter has been like, really, girl? You didn't throw it? So, like, like you put, your, you put Matt in this situation. And I know they're going to play off of that, I'm sure, in the season. But it's like... But she already had immunity, so she wasn't putting she, herself up. Right. She would have been fine, and Matt would have been fine because he would have been on the winning team. Right. So and her team had more people, which meant that all of the people who were up inherently had a less chance go, of going home than all of the people on the other team. Yeah. It's like, and, it, and I don't, I, part of me doesn't even blame her because I bet she couldn't think it through one. Cause you're starving. And yeah. two, it, it probably doesn't help with, that when you're starving, someone throws 10 million twists at you at one time and you have to think through it in your head of like why I sh- like, 
like if if it's not like it it's such an easy thing in retrospect when you can think through it with a clear mind but when it's so thrown together to you at the moment like when the contestants can't even like see the obvious thing like that's a problem who was the guy a few seasons ago his name started with an m and he was on the the tribe that ended up with oh it may not have been a few seasons ago it actually this malcolm who was on the tribe with Denise. Oh, yeah, yeah, And yeah. they were the last two, and they had to be split amongst the other right, two tribes. Right, right. Um, uh, Malcolm, yes. Malcolm was posting um, on Twitter last night, uh, or not last night. When the episode aired. When the aired. episode aired. Um, oh, wait, no, that, that was and, last night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Time- <laughs> we record on Thursdays. Uh, so this was last night. Um, and he he tweeted about it last night. He was like, you know, when they're throwing all this stuff at you and it's hard to think, but also a lot of people on Survivor are not thinking outside of win. When yeah. you're in the middle of a challenge, your goal is win. You aren't strategizing <laughs> exactly. about who to who to save and who's over here and alliances and all of this shit. You're like, I need to save myself. Exactly. I need to build my resume. And that is when challenges get immunity. It's like, yes, you're exactly right. Like, like it's like, of course you would think to stay till the very end. Cause the, the everything in the human, in human nature would make you do that. Like, I mean, except for the first time that they had this weird ass challenge where they didn't explain it properly. Yeah. And the person who won on their side got immunity on the first team to fully drop was like, yay, I won and dropped. Sure. Not realizing that he dropped the whole rest of his team from getting the I don't remember. The prize. The, I don't think it was last season. I think it was there was a one. Uh, the, it was the first time they did forty one, maybe, M- maybe. Yeah, um, it feels like forever ago. Um, and then also, so the, and then this also pissed people off online too. So then the losing team has to go to the old Soka beach, right? They're not allowed to go to the main beach with everyone else. Well, right, because you can't. You don't get to talk. They with don't Ponderosa. get to talk to them at all. You don't don't get to talk to Ponderosa. Uh, and the jury, you know, when you're strategizing and still in the game. Right. And then we find out that Matt has left his whole bag with all of his stuff on the old beach. Didn't bring it to the challenge. Oh, that makes sense as to why he didn't play his fake idol then. Well, yeah, he didn't have it. Yeah. Okay. And like, so, like. But also Franny didn't bring it. Like, <laughs> yes, but like, it's like, that shouldn't be a fucking thing. Like people were like. He's going to get disadvantaged because he didn't know to bring his fucking bag because he wouldn't be coming back to the same beach. Yeah, that's stupid. Like, that's really fucked up, I think. Well, because it's, it's not even that he doesn't have his idol. He also doesn't have his shot in the dark dice. Right. So he can't even, like, ugh, whatever. Um, so they go to the feast. The, the winning tribe goes to the feast. Um, and, and Franny talks about how, you know, now looking in retrospect, in some sense, she would rather be there instead of Matt. It's like, okay, but like, or you should have dropped at the thing. But, but again, like Malcolm said, nobody's thinking about that shit. You're thinking about get to the end of the challenge. Yeah. So, and they think it's probably going to be between Matt and Yam Yam. And Carolyn thinks it's going to be Yam Yam because he doesn't have the same connections that Matt necessarily does. And Carolyn starts crying in her confessional. She does, but she also is just like, I get it. Like, I, I, I don't get to be mad about it. Like, I'm upset that he would be leaving, but I also am 
I have to play this game for me. I can't. And good for her. Yeah. Like, she is repeatedly showing why she's an amazing player. And I just, I love her. The only thing I really liked about this episode was her and Franny sort of having this, like, we both have our allies. And it's like, we need to keep either one of them, like, sort of, like, almost not directly fighting with each other, but being like, we're both advocating in a way that, like, you know, separate of each other. Uh, we'll get to it with Heidi. Yeah. Because Miss Pittsburgh had an option, and she took not that option. No. Um, <laughs> she, Brand- she literally presented that option. The, anyway, we'll yeah. get to it. We go to the old Soka Beach where the losers are. Brandon wants to is basically like, let's keep it raw too strong with me, Jamie, and Lauren, and then vote out either Matt or Yam Yam. You know, that's clear what's, what's going to happen. And it's pretty straightforward. But again, it's like, so like everything from the first 10 minutes of the episode is just thrown out. Like now Brandon's leading everything and he, it's like raw too strong, two weak people go. Um, um, and Matt's like, all my allies are on the other tribe. Like, what the fuck? I've got nobody. Like, I'm, again, like Matt has played a, even with like divorced of the Franny stuff and how open he's been like with Franny as his number two. Like he's pre- played a pretty decent social game. Yeah. And so that's why it's frustrating of just like, he's done a good job and now like, it doesn't matter. Whatever. I mean, at tribal Brandon is just like giving him this, this, it's not a death glare. It's just as intense, but it was strange, but it was just like, am I voting for this guy? Am I not voting for this guy? He looked very conflicted mm. in that moment, but it was just intense. But also, so, and they're at the watering hole and Matt, like, is like, try, it's like, I'm going to first try to suggest some, like maybe try to break up the raw two people and suggest Lauren with her extra vote. And Brandon immediately shuts it down. He's like, I'm not voting on Lauren. And he's like, Okay, how about something else? Like it was, <laughs> um, so obviously then the only uh, option is Yam Yam. Like he, that's yeah. yeah, that's to go for. Uh, and then Yam Yam tells Lauren that on the original beach, Danny wanted her out because of her extra votes. And so this intrigues Lauren of like maybe we should get Matt out because then, you know, Matt is part of the original Soka group. So it could get, you know, take away one of Danny's allies. You know, it'd be, you know, interesting to see. And also acknowledging that Matt didn't bring his bag. So this would be the time to strike. Yeah. Then we go back to the feast. And there's a note in the feast that they planned to before. But Franny then reads the note. And so this is then the other twist. There is now an advantage in the cage that was originally, the cage that originally had the idols. And, the, and there's an advantage in it. And there are keys scattered, like, like it looked like, like in the hundreds. This was like the scene from the first Harry Potter movie with all the flying keys. And you yeah. had to like figure out which one it was, but there was no figuring out. It was just try them all. Yeah. And they're all scattered across the, idol, uh, the island and one of them opens the cage and it literally says go. And then they all start running. And it's like, this is where, like you were talking before. It's like, there's no strategy. It's just like. Whoever gets the right key. Well, <laughs> like, and, they, and they even took away the ability to strategize because they said you can get one key, then you have to go try it. You can't And then you them. drop it off and then you leave. Like you can't like gather up a bunch of keys. You can't, if you see four that are pretty close, you can't grab all four of them. You have to grab one and no, why? This is stupid. Yeah. This is so stupid. So they go through it all. 
Heidi ends up opening the cage and Franny's right there. Like as she, so it's like kind of like Heidi hugs her, but you can tell Franny doesn't want the hug because it's like, God damn it. Yeah. And so then she gets the advantage and reads it. Uh, and it's a control your vote advantage. So for this particular tribal where, because they're on the jury technically in the jury position and everyone else is, is either is eligible in voting. She gets to control one person's vote and she can tell that player who they must vote for. I'm also, I'm also frustrated in the way that this ended up playing out. Yes, 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 yes. Because they show the note, they show the note nowhere in that note. Does it say anything about having that having to be public knowledge about who she is picking and what way that she is telling them to vote yet at tribal that's what Jeff says. And yeah. she makes her do both of those things publicly. Well, and also, there's also confusion. We'll get to, we'll get to it. Yeah. Cause it, when we break down tribal, um, Matt is missing Franny on, on the, on the old Soka beach. And, and as you mentioned, he's hoping that Franny will just bring his bag to tribal and think about it. Um, Yam Yam suggests, uh, to Matt, this idea of, so this is also where, okay. So this is where I was like, production seemed this felt like production was getting involved at this point because also when Heidi gets this advantage he's like if I can to me I'm like how does this freaking work because Heidi's like if I can figure out who Matt and Yam Yam are voting for and they if they vote for the same person then I can save both of them right but why would they vote for the same person well, I mean, if and they... then we cut, but that like I'm like that's what that's what's going on in my head, and then we cut to the and then Yam Yam then makes the suggestion to Matt of voting together for Lauren to then split it two two, and then I guess revote. Why would Yam Yam suggest that? If not like because that... then you only have to convince one of the other three to vote with you. You don't, and then you have three. I guess you but, don't at that point, you don't have to convince everybody to vote for the other person. We can team together and that's already two votes. That means neither of us are going home because we, at the very least, unless they all vote together, we're, we're not going home. Right. I just think like, I don't know, like it, it felt weird. It felt really weird to me. Um, and the Rot 2-3 are discussing about splitting the vote in case Matt has his idol. Um, so, uh, and that'll play the, into a role when we get to Tribal. Hi, on the main beach, Heidi then tells Franny about the advantage, and Franny's really excited. And basically, it's like, well, let's get Yam Yam out. Let's aim to get Yam Yam out, even if it upsets Carolyn. Like, that's, that should be the aim. Um, Danny wants Lauren out still. Like, like everyone has their... Like, it's like... Fr- Heidi shares this with everyone, obviously. Franny wants one thing. Danny wants one thing. Danny wants Lauren out. Carolyn obviously wants Yam Yam to stay. It's like everyone's wanting something different. And Heidi is thinking, like, maybe it might be better to get Matt out because maybe I can work with Yam Yam, you know, down the line. Um, She's talking to Kane about it. And then she just tells Franny she doesn't think she has the power to save Matt. (laughs) Which I thought was just like, like, I don't think I can do it, essentially. I don't know if she meant, like, I don't think I can physically do it. Like, I don't think I can compel myself to do it, or I don't think I have the power to do it. Well, 
I think that she was going, well, I can control one vote. There, presumably all three of them are going to vote one direction. Right. So if I change, and whoever they're not voting against is also voting that direction. Yeah. Which means it's only going to be me and the person that everyone else is voting for voting for somebody else. That's only two against three votes. There's no way I can save somebody. Yeah. That's the thing. And well, and unless they were planning on splitting the vote, we'll which is why this advantage was stupid anyway. We'll talk about it later. Also, people were wondering, like she also like, I'm pretty sure Heidi also had the option to not use the advantage, right? Who knows? Like she didn't have to use it. Uh, I, guess. I think honestly it would have been better. Like in retrospect. So we get to tribal council. Well, what would have been really, like, gaggy is if she had said, Matt, vote for yourself. That, yeah, that's not even clarified, too, if the person can vote for themselves. Is, was- that, is that a thing in Survivor? Can you vote for yourself in general? Yeah. I, I don't think so, no. Well, not then, to my knowledge. Then you wouldn't be able to do it. Well, that, but can you like that? We'll get to it. There were a lot of open questions with this advantage to because at that point he would technically be the first universally voted out person. Yeah, sure, I mean that's just kind of rubbing salt in the wound at that point. Um, so they get to tribal. Matt is wondering if anyone brought his. He literally's like, I'm wondering if that my bag is that my bag over there. And Franny just shakes her head now. <laughs> it was so awkward because you could see the look on her face was like, I didn't even think to do that. Yeah. <laughs> and then Matt goes with plan B and just pulls out this papaya and offers it to Jeff being like, hey, Jeff, can we go home? <laughs> Where was he holding that papaya? The prop comedy, like just like on point, man. Um, so... And then, again, I talked about like how the yam yam suggesting the two versus two thing like felt like production-y. This and then Matt's like, well, let me just lay it on the table of like how of where I think this vote's going. I'm like, no one really has done that this season or normally does that on Survivor. Very convenient for Matt to be like, so this is where I think the votes are going for Heidi to hear. To right. like, like, you know what I mean? Like it felt like call me a cynic but like it felt like producer shenanigans yeah i mean i especially like and i mean maybe if i think back i think jeff may have led that like sort of like like well but underhandedly jeff, jeff does tend to put his thumb on the scales a little bit during tribal and will lead things in situation or in directions that insinuate advantages exist that are not publicly known. And I'm like, what are you doing? He does this all the time. This is not the first time that that's happened. Yeah. So Matt and Matt is basically like pitching his value essentially to Ratu just in front of everyone, which honestly the way the thing, like what we, the complaints that we had like uh, earlier about like why this is not survivor anymore at this point, I'm like, what go ahead. Yeah. Pitch in public. I'd like, I like, who cares at this point? Like, yeah. like at this point you're like hiding your alliances doesn't clearly matter. So like just say it in the open. Well, I mean, and honestly we've been doing that for a few years because how long has it been since they first started doing the public scramble at tribal? Sure. Like start pulling people aside behind the stumps and everybody's just going, what is happening? And Jeff of course has that giddy schoolboy look on his face. Like 
I'm so excited. What is this new development in, in Survivor history that's yeah. happening? And then we get our Emmy bait moment where they cry uh, <laughs> about how it means so much to them and how it, how they've learned so much. It's like, ugh, I get it, but it just... It, like I and I didn't I I actually felt it a little bit too with at least with Matt and Yam Yam like like it like it it you know I like them as people seemingly on this show so like at least I care about their and when Carolyn was crying and Franny was it was like a good moment like it was like a, like but it's just like it feels like it happens every episode and they're they're not gonna beat Drag Race and they focus so much about the journey and like what it means to you to grow as a human being by competing on Survivor. I'm sorry, go back to like the, the early days where they were cutthroat bitches on reality television fighting for a million dollars. It's not about me wanting to be a better person by surviving on an island. Yeah, let's be real. Like, sorry. That's my rant. <laughs> so, um, not every person is Sari coming out here <laughs> to make themselves a better human. Exactly. Like, yeah. Um, and so, getting up off the couch after how many years? Stop. <laughs> so, Jeff then says we're going to get ready to vote. And then Heidi stands up and talks, says about her advantage that she can control someone's vote. And Jeff says, okay, whose vote do you want to control? And she says, Lawrence. Okay. And then Jeff says, who do you want Lauren to vote for? And Heidi has to verbally like to everyone say who Lauren wants to vote for and tells her to vote for Yam Yam. And it defeats the purpose of the advantage clearly as we saw, because if you vocalize to everyone who the person has to vote for, if there's a three person, if there's a majority, they can just switch their votes to make it work. Right. Like it, it completely, negates the um the advantage and it also puts a target on your back exactly like now that yam yam has survived this vote now heidi will be a target for not just yam yam but anyone aligned with him yeah and also like clearly but like clearly like they're like, we split the votes, right? Like they, they discussed it on the beach. We're splitting the votes in case Matt has an idol. So two right. on Matt, one on Yam Yam. That's the plan. If Matt plays his idol, then it'll be split. And then, you know, and, um, you know, we'll re-vote again or whatever. But like, clearly when Heidi says that, they're, Brandon and Jamie are just like, okay, so she's the Yam Yam vote, then we'll vote for Matt. Yeah. That's what happened. Like... <laughs> Like it's it's it was dumb. It defeated the per- whole purpose of the fucking advantage, and it's like yeah yeah. It's like it's, <sighs> Jeff. Next time you think, because it's clearly Jeff. Jeff gets so excited about these advantages to where I know it's him. Yeah, that's, plan- that's planning all this stuff. It's like if your advantage takes away an ability for a person to vote. Nine times out of ten, it's a terrible advantage. It's not going to work well. Yeah, th- this whole episode. Could have been scrapped. Yeah. They could have just had a little screen at the bottom that said, some shenanigans happened. Matt went home. You don't want to watch it. It's fine. Yeah. Well, (laughs) and the frustrating... So Matt goes home and leaves with the fake eye. This is now twice now. But he doesn't because his bag is still at camp. Oh, well, yeah, there's that. So I guess, yeah, I guess, was there going to be a race to grab his bag and then, you know... Or do they, like... Or is there, like, some invader in their camp that snatches his bag while they're at Tribal? I'm sure production is just like, yeah, you know, you're leaving. here's your bag when you go to Ponderosa. Like, he's got bags that, he, he, I mean, 
they don't need that bag. He's got his luggage that he actually packed that's going to be waiting for him at Ponderosa. Right. But it's like, this is what frustrates me. It's like, at this point, also, the advantages are getting in the way of the other advantages. Right. Like, like you set up this whole cage bullshit with this real idol and fake idol that could be interesting. And you had people with fake idols. And now two of them just go home with the idols in their, in their bags with nothing, no effect on them. Yeah. Like... If you would have just let the shit in the first 10 minutes of the episode play out as normal, you could have probably gotten a really cool tribal council. I, yes, that. And I think that they should have waited to do the birdcage thing until they merged. Or that, sure. And just do your regular, every, every tribe gets a immunity idol. Fine. Yeah. Like, it's boring, but it's, it works. Yeah. And then when you get to merge, then you have the birdcage with the fake idol and the real idol. Yeah. I don't mind a, a inventive advantage if it plays off in the end. But now at the point where you're doing so many of them to where they're literally canceling each other out and you're getting no satisfying effect and you're also getting no idol plays, like just base level, I think I'm getting votes on myself, so I'm going to play an idol on myself to save myself. Like... The the person with the Ratu idol, the actual real Ratu idol, is home. Is gone home. Like the uh, Danny, I guess, still has his. Who has the one on um, Tika? I can't even remember at this point. Oh, Carolyn. But like, oh yeah. But like, it's like it's too saturated. It's way too saturated. It's it's too fucking much. Like they need to like go back to basics and i'm not saying go back to like season two or three where there's no idols and it's just when you have 18 people coming on the show and within the first i think two episodes you had seven eight the possibility for nine of those to have idols uh, in some way, form, or fashion, whether they were real idols or fake idols, you had six from the bird cages plus all three of the people who went to the island had the chance of having, of getting one of the, the the idols. idols. It's like all three of them could have gotten idols if it had worked out that way. So you could have had, Nine people out of the 18 thinking that they had idols. How stupid is that? Yeah. Sure, three of those people would have been wrong, but that's still a third of your cast had (laughs) immunity idols, plus whoever wins immunity that week. Yeah. So what is, like... It's one thing also, I was thinking about this, it's one thing to put out a lot of advantages into the play when you don't maybe have the most charismatic cast to where the social game and those elements don't really aren't being strong enough to carry things so you put out advantages to sort of make things more interesting i can even understand that but when you have an actual really good charismatic interesting complex cast of people just let them be that well it's the same complaint we've had with drag race yeah like producers need to get out of the way and let the cast be the cast Mm -hmm. it's it's happening on drag race it's happening on survivor just get out of the way and let either the queens or the castaways do what they do. Yeah. There will be plenty of drama. Yeah. That's inherent in the pressure cooker that you are putting these people in. That should be the, yeah, exactly. Like 
the the environment you are placing them in is the pressure point. That is the conflict point. That is what creates the magic. Like, I just don't get why they don't get it. But yeah, that was Survivor. Not my favorite episode. I'll, I'm going to be honest. I was going to say it yep. wasn't okay. It, it wasn't my favorite. Um, I I hope we get an actual individual immunity challenge. That's like an actual individual immunity next week. Um. So yeah, yeah, that was sad. Okay, so tops and bottoms. Who are we thinking this week? Survivor, Drag Race. What you got? Okay, so let's get into it. So my, to- I'll start with my good. I'll start with my top for this week. I'm gonna give it to Mistress. I liked how Mistress held her own at the reunion. I, mm-hmm. I thought she had a really strong reunion performance that I was hoping from her. I thought she was very um, eloquent in terms of like her point of views on certain things about like the backlash on social media and sort of certain ways in which she was. Uh, inadvertently portrayed and stuff like that. I thought she held true to a lot of her opinions and stood by them in a way that I thought was really commendable and didn't bow to like this, like, you know, I'm going to be nice now sort of thing. Um, Except for the moment when she forgot about the Irene thing. That was funny though, at least. Um, And I think that's what I, I think it was the, this was the place for mistress to be like, this is like her, this is her main event at the end of the day of like, I'm known for being opinionated across the show. This is my place to really show it. And I thought she did so in a really commendable top-notch way and, and was kind of narrating a lot of the time during the reunion, mm-hmm. which I thought was needed and, and appreciated. Um, my bottom, I'm going with the, I think we kind of have similar bottoms, but I'm going to go with the production for Survivor. Um, and it's a, there's a lot of great, if you follow Survivor on Twitter, just go to the Survivor hashtag. There's a lot of really, like long-standing fans of the show that have really like astute opinions as well. That I encourage you to read, and I I agree with them in the sense that it's just like this is like like you're stripping so much. It's getting to the point where you're stripping so much of what the show actually is, and, yeah. and has created a fan base behind. And you know what is you know you're over. It's I think we concluded of just like you're overthinking it. It's it's it's. It's it's not that complicated at the end of the day. I think a lot of people, either whether it's networks, whether it's producers or whatever, think that like they overthink this stuff way too much in terms of why people watch thing uh, shows like this mm-hmm. in general. Like it's keep it simple, keep it simple. At the end of the day, a show like Traders did it great, kept it really simple, simple concept, great cast can deliver it. Like, that's all you need. The cast should be the ones delivering. It shouldn't be all these other elements around it. That's my frustration. Uh, what is your uh, top and bottom for the week, babe? So I'm thinking my uh, my top is also going to come from Drag Race, but it's going to be Lux. Mm-hmm. Um, less about with the reunion itself um, and more over just her... Um, her presence since the end of the season, um, since the reunion is kind of, hey, what's happened since the end of the season? What happened on the season? All of that. Yeah. I figure this is the right episode to commend somebody for what they've been doing on social since the season started airing. Yeah. Um, and Lux has really handled it very well. Um, she is holding her own against, um, veterans of the show who have been less than, um, great. Congenial. Congenial, less than congenial, correct. 
Um, she is holding herself against blatantly racist fans who were coming for her for no other reason than she is a young black person. Yeah. Um, and it just, um, she's doing it in much the same way that you were talking about mistress holding her own and being unapologetic while still being entertaining and being a leader in the industry, right? Mm -hmm. Lux is doing the same thing. She has been, you know, holding her own, has been quick with them receipts and them reads, but never going, never um, escalating anything, never being... um, Knowing knowing when and when when not to and knowing when to, like... To lay off the gas. Right. Um, so she's she's definitely my top for this week. Um, the bottom, uh, much like you went for production on Survivor, I have to give it to production on Drag Race for the very same damn thing. <laughs> it's just exhausting. And, um, like you said, give us a good cast, which we had Mm -hmm. this season. We had an amazing cast. And step back and let them be them. Like, we don't need you to manufacture, to feed them lines, to do any of this other. We don't need the whole Kelly Mantle at the mirror so, uh, uh, what happened at, <laughs> we don't need that, you know, we, we don't need it. Um, just put the Queens in there, give them challenges and let them perform. That's what we're there for. Yeah. We're there to see Queens show off and be cunty bitches <laughs> and they're going to do it. It's like mistress said, this is her career this is who she is on and off the show so like she's unapologetic about who she is and that's how most of these queens are yeah so just let them be let them be who they are let the castaways be who they are cast a good cast let them perform they're not drag queens it's a little bit different but still you get good people you get a good cast and you'll have magic yeah and i just stop we we don't need this overproduction it's so much easier take a step back and watch it happen three words let them be let them be hey thanks for tuning into this episode of a gay and his envy join us next time for more of our recaps and hot takes And be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening. And check us out on our social media at AGAYANISMB on all the platforms. A special shout out to Shane Ivers who wrote Pulsar, the song we use for our theme. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And And we're we're out. out. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.